you know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once. Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. We're doing it for you. We're doing it all for you. All the people out there. Every one of them. Every single one of you matter to us and have a special place in our hearts. And we want to welcome you to another spectacular, incredible, inspirational, mind-blowing, jaw-dropping episode of Everything at Once. We would like to start today's broadcast with a special thanks to our Patreon producers, Brian G, Josh W, Ian D, Nick G, and Sadie M. Yes, that's five. And as I promised in the last episode, I now have to do a primitive weekend. And more will be revealed on that once I set a date and time. It's going to be quite a thing. You're not going to want to miss it. I will be helping document, but I will not be participating. Um, I was not part of that deal. Uh, anywho, Patreon, if you want to see something in the future where maybe I get involved or, oh, yeah. or this just gets extrapolated more, Patreon's an awesome way to support this show and say thanks. You can become a Patreon supporter by clicking the link below and choosing to be an intern, assistant, or producer-level producer supporter. That's right. More Patreon producers, supporters, and interns, and we're going to get a challenge for Dave to complete once we hit 10. So do it. We want to see Dave do something real weird, don't we? Yeah, I mean... We all do. I will do it because I love all of you. (laughs) And now, we want to thank all of the businesses that sponsored this episode. These businesses get the Everything at Once stamp of approval and are critical members of the Everything at Once community. We couldn't do it without them. We would first like to thank AFB Services. Much like this show, they do a little bit of everything at once. Yes, they do. AFB Services specializes in landscape and property maintenance needs. This means they can take care of all your lawn care needs. Everything from reseeding yards, flower bed clean out, tree work, edging, and other miscellaneous maintenance needs. Check out their website. Do that. AFBServicesLLC.com or give Aaron a call at 814-528-7464. His work's so good that it made Tony's jaw drop. I forgot what I was doing. I completely lost it there, guys. It's it's, it's so incredible. That's why I keep Dave around to, to pick up the slack when I lose complete track of everything. And Aaron will pick up. Your slack in your yard. Yes, he will. And uh, moving on, we would also like to thank friends of the show Cauldron and Thorn. It is the world's largest witchcraft store, offering a conglomerate of crystals, books, ceremonial supplies, incense, herbs, oracle and tarot cards, and other self-care items. It's a real grocery store for the soul, located just west of Colony Plaza on West 8th Street. Cauldron and Thorn is open seven days a week and 24 hours online at cauldronandthorn.com. Check them out. Dave. Yeah, Tony. I have some more metal for you. Are you interested? Oh, my God. I'm always interested. (laughs) Dave's always looking for more metal, and we have more just for him. Oh, my God. Bring more of that hot metal straight to you at Philly on the Rocks, May 20th, Eden on Fire. Oh, I mean, I ask this every week, but how much is it, Tony? $5 again. Only $5 for an undoubtedly epic night of metal. I can't find any dollars in my wallet. Dave, it's only 5 if you need it. We'll help you out. Everything at once will sponsor your admission. <laughs> I got some time. You have time, too, to, to come up with $5. It's true. Yes. You can make it. We believe in you. Awesome. And Eat on, Eden on Fire, for those of you who don't know, is a local female-fronted symphonic metal band. Their latest hit single, Fallen, is available on all streaming platforms. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to thank Werner Books. Werner Books is Erie's community bookstore located in the Liberty Plaza. They sell everything from new to used books at once. Oh, get it? Everything at once? Oh, my God. We're smart. They also offer trade-in programs to exchange lightly used books for credit towards new books, or as we like to call it in the biz, new new content. content. Check out their website, warnerbooks.com, for more information about book clubs, author signings, and events. Stop in to find your next great read. We have a very 
special guest this week. He's a pretty cool dude, very funny. He's actually funny enough that uh, he uh, gets paid to tell jokes. It's pretty cool. He's right. a real-life stand-up comedian. He goes by the name of Dan Brady. It's true. That's his name. You'll find him out there. He's. We had a great time hanging out with him, and he is bringing a comedy festival to Erie, the flagship comedy fest, this week, end of the week. Be there. There's tons of shows. Check it out online. You can look it up at Erie um, Flagship Comedy Fest. On Facebook, it has all the events listed. They're going to be all over town. Make sure to go out there and check it out. There's a little bit of something for everybody if you like clean humor, dirty humor, um, whatever. Brunch humor. Brunch humor. Uh, probably dinner humor. I'm, I'm not, I'd I'm imagine. Not, uh, whatever your palate uh, wants, you can get various locations around the Erie uh, community to check out some awesome solid gold comedy. That's right. You aren't going to miss it, and you're not going to want to miss this show. So without further ado... Dan Brady. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome, hey. Welcome to the show. Today we got with us Dan Brady. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, we're super pumped that you're here, man. Dan is one of the hosts of the Flagship Comedy Festival, which is about to be coming up this week. And uh, we're super excited to have him here so he can talk about the show a little bit and uh, let us know what's going on. Dan's also our first ever stand-up comedian that we've had down here in the studio, so it might get wild today. Watch out, everybody. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> hey, we're super pumped that you're here, man. So you're a stand-up comic. You've been doing How long have you been doing stand-up comedy now? Five years. Five years. Yeah. Actually... Uh, April 11th was my five-year mark. Ooh. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, cool. That's a long Thank time you. to be doing it. Yeah. How much have things changed since the beginning? Uh, I mean, in terms of myself, I've, I've gotten better leaps and bounds from joke writing to finding my voice on stage. But, you know, a uh, big part of my the last five years was COVID. So that, yeah, that takes everybody had to take a step back from it for a while. Cool. And, uh... You have since relocated to a new area. Right. Uh, back in November, I moved to Cincinnati because I was at the point where either uh, here in Erie, I was only getting up once every two weeks. And in order to get better at stand-up, you have to get out and do it, just like practicing a guitar or whatever. Sure. So it was just kind of like either I need to stay here and just kind of give up, you know? Do whatever, or if I wanted to get better, I need to move to a city where I can get up every night, and Cincinnati is one of those cities. Cool. So that's like a, a big commitment as a new comedian. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just pick up everything and move to a completely new area where no, I really didn't know anybody, but... It's just also the kind – it's a moment of truth, basically. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, am Sink I actually good or – Am I just kind of doing this? Yeah. So definitely a big like moment to make that decision. Was there anything that was really influencing you at the time? Uh, my mom died last year. Oh, uh, that's I'm sorry. you know. I, no, it's cool, man. It's I don't know where you want this podcast to go, but that uh, I have nobody in this area. There's okay. no connections for me here. There's. I mean, other than this festival, but I can do my my share of the load from Cincinnati. So okay. that was a big factor. And it's I've always kind of wanted to move to another city. Chicago was the the primary destination, but we kind of fell short and landed in Cincinnati. But I I don't have anything that ties me here. So you know, I just decided uh it's time to move new cool. new change of scenery which i recommend for anybody if you ever have that opportunity to get somewhere new do it yeah, yeah. how'd you know that that comedy was the calling um it was just a couple years ago uh <laughs> my mother-in-law had passed at the time mm. and uh it's just surrounded by deaths of mothers um but <laughs> I saw an advert for an open mic, um, and I, you know, joined a couple groups on Facebook and just kind of decided I've always liked stand-up. You know, this is something I was interested in, so I tried it, and I wasn't bad at it, and I just kept kind of going from there and just get better and better and better to the point where, like, I've come too far. I can't really turn back now. 
There's no right. change in the ship. That's like a high level of freedom too to not be like untethered. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To not have any commitments to be able to follow your dream and stuff like that doesn't happen every day for a lot of people. And unfortunately, yours came under some some uh, right. bad circumstances. Awful, yeah. But like to be able to see that opportunity and grab it and jump on and be like, hey, fuck it, I'm I'm going for this is uh, really cool. Well, point out something that didn't grow with a little bit of rain. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's it's trauma pushes a lot. It pushes a lot of growth. It pushes you to a new level. I'm not the same person I was September twentieth, twenty twenty one, and that's that's for the better. You you have to experience all this hurt, all this pain to push yourself to be a different you. It, you can't stay the same you you are right now five years down the road. Right, and I think that. Uh does, do you feel like that helps with your comedy at all? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, <laughs> I love the dark satire, so morbid comedy. I have figured it out. Okay. Good stand-up comics are one of three things. They're autistic. <laughs> they come from trauma. Uh-huh. Or both. Okay. And <laughs> you knew comics? Like, I tell this to every comedian in Cincinnati, and they're like, yeah, that 100%. You got it. <laughs> I mean, I know of at least five comics right now that start their stand-up with, so I'm autistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, well, it's one of those things, like hyperfixation stuff like that. Like, I was watching a documentary. It's amazing now looking what we know about autism and looking at people in the history and being like, oh, he was just autistic. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, I was watching this documentary on Tony Hawk, and he was talking about how he couldn't do anything else until he nailed a trick. That's all he would do. And I'm like, that's autism. Right. That is 100% autism. So. I'm not, and now I'm trying to think of comics that are not autistic or traumatized. Mm-hmm. Been, yeah. It's just been rolling in my head since you said that. <laughs> it's another reason why comedians do. Uh, what we do is validation. Mm. It, it's either like you got it your entire life and now this is just another way for you to get it or as someone like myself this is the first thing that I'm really good at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get to go in front of strangers every night and make them laugh. That's that's the best valid that's what I need. Like right. my my end goal isn't a bunch of money that that'd be nice, but I've been broke my entire life and I plan on dying broke. Right. It's uh it's just how the world works. But I just want to be one of those guys that everybody's like, yo, you ever see Dan Brady on stage? He was a monster. Yeah. You missed out. Like, that's where I want my stand-up to be. I want to be at the top of my peers list. That's why I do this. Cool. And I feel like that's such a a good thing, too, that people, that, like, the world in general needs more of is just, like, laughter and seeing mm-hmm. that even in a shitty situation or when things aren't like ideal, you can still find some way to make light of the situation and not take it so seriously and and laugh about it. My timeline is full of names of men who kept everything inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you can't, you can't, because the minute you don't talk about something, it'll, it'll drag you down. So there is humor in Everything, a hundred percent, everything. The night my mom died, because both my parents are dead. I'm not. Don't say sorry about the dad. I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my one of my best friends sent me a text and said, "Hey man, at least you're like Batman. You're you're an orphan now. <laughs> you got superpowers too. <laughs> no, I'm just broke. And I I wrote a, a three minute bit just off that text. Like I am broke, Batman. Instead of instead of like a guy in the alley, it was heart disease. Mm-hmm. You know, it's but it's you just you gotta find it everywhere or else it's gonna drag you down. I mm-hmm. mean, there's plenty of angry people out there, and that's because like. No one ever said, hey, it's going to be okay. You can laugh at this. It's fine. Right. But it's going to go on. Yeah. So when you're starting, when you started this, your uh, comedy career, I'm sure you probably had like a few jokes already picked out in your head that you were going to do. Do you start to see more jokes and more things? Um, yeah. It's, I write a lot about my life or like, you know, observations and stuff like that, but I will just kind of fixate on one thing and then... A lot of people write in their notebooks. I, 
it's flawed. It's a flawed strategy, I know, but I, I will keep something in my head and I'll work on it all day and then the next day and then I'll take it to an open mic and then I'll throw it through the ringer like 20, 30 times before I'm good with it because a joke when it starts out is not where it ends mm -hmm. and it, it can't be like that. Right. Because stand-up isn't a conversation. You want to have a punchline every 17 to 30 seconds because in that time frame, wow. if it's longer than that, People tune out, right? Mm. Even though they are at the show, but it's just you—you you have to kind of write like you'll have a lot of comics who like, oh, this story was funny when it happened, but it's not funny when you retell it, right? So you—you mm. you gotta figure out what you want to say and then say it in thirty words or less. So you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you—you you need a kind of. And when I started out, I was also intentionally like dark and edgy, and every comics like that. And it's either they learn to get better or they're just going to keep, you know, being dark and edgy, dark, dark and edgy. <laughs> Very morose. I was going to say dog shit, but yes, oh, that, was, that was a better <laughs> term. I try to think of like, I guess you're, I, I mean, you're the professional, like, so you're right. But, you know, I'm thinking of some of my favorite comics and they definitely sprinkle like jokes within the stories. Like I think like Norm MacDonald or mm -hmm. like Dave Chappelle, where they tell like these like, just like 10 minute stories that just like the punchlines not till much later but they do always add jokes in in the middle yeah there's look like at the machine yeah uh by burt kreischer right 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 that's just this story but he he built an entire empire off of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a, that's a well-written bit it's uh, it probably didn't all work out that way but he made it work out that way you know exactly so. and i think that there's like a small a bunch of like smaller punchlines or build up throughout it to keep your attention you know it keeps you from tuning out yeah. or losing interest you know he keeps gradually progressing things until it's at a point where you're rolling around on the ground laughing <laughs> <laughs> so your writing process starts like one day obs obsessing over one yeah. thing yeah yeah really and like you know, kind of figuring out where it can go or building a built bit around it mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like I'll think about something or like how can I reapproach this angle? Because now that I can get up every night, I'm starting to see I'm reworking a lot of old material because now I, I kind of have the ability to do it that way and stuff like that. Or just um, even like one day uh, we were talking about the Cincinnati chili before this, but one day I was just like, man, I moved here to be better at stand up, but now I just have opinions on chili. <laughs> and that's, and then I just start building a, a bit off of that. So right. it's, it's a, uh, my writing process is a little different, but it, for it, sure. it works for me. And I feel like it's really hard to, at least for me, I feel like it's hard to write a joke, and I might think it's funny or I might think it's hilarious, but it might be completely not a hit with other people. You know what I mean? Like in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I got this. This is going to be so funny when I tell so and so about this. And then I tell them they're just like deadpan to me, and I'm like, oh, fuck, what happened here? And you really need like that feedback. Yeah. From people. That's why you work things at open bikes. And then you, even if it bombs once, you still have to tell it again because it, that's, that crowd could have just sucked. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there are jokes that hit well with certain groups and doesn't with others. But mm -hmm. the thing with that is you got to kind of figure out what to say if that joke bombs. Right. You know, like a lot of comics will say something like, oh, cool, going to cry myself home now, you know? Yeah. And that, gets more laughter on the back end so. mm -hmm. and i think that like also that feedback is so important like do i continue to build off this because i feel right. like some of the times where i've been funniest in my life has started with somebody just like ah, ha ha laughing and then i'm like okay i can feed into this and make this person laugh more oh yeah it's um yeah <laughs> i can't describe the feeling if you telling a joke and having it land really hard mm -hmm. like that's like okay that's where I, and that that kind of feed it back because i record all my sets and it's like okay why did i get that here but i didn't get it here what did i do different that allowed me to do that this time and mm -hmm. stuff like that so you get laughs but it's it's also something to build off of too i i'm more of a fan of 
Like, I love the podcast. I think podcasts is one of my favorite things to ever happen to comedy because mm-hmm. we get the long form. Because what I like to do is just, like, tell stories and people don't know if I'm fucking with them or not. Like, I enjoy that more than people laughing, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, they laugh eventually and I'll be like, what's so funny, you know? Like, yeah. my dog did kill my grandma. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that almost has, like, its own element of comedy where you can't quite tell if the person is serious about right. what they're saying. You know what I mean? One, uh, one of my friends, Brandon, he's going to be on the festival, but he... Uh, the way he tells jokes is you kind of, I call it like look over here while I'm over here. And it's just you create something completely false and then you hit them with something they don't see. Like Anthony Jeselnik yeah. on the backside. Like right. none of his stories are true, but that's his style of just writing up completely fake scenarios with a uh, punchline you didn't see coming at the end. All right. He's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, Anthony Jeselnik's a killer. Yeah. Absolutely. He's super funny. And he's he really... Uh, I appreciate his dark satire and his look on like society and culture, too. And I think that's one of the reasons why comedy is so important in general is just because I think it exposes people to the reality of how ridiculous the world is that we're living in. You know what I mean? And makes those connections that might not be so clear to other people. Yeah, I forgot you had a cat and felt something brush against my leg. Sorry. It scared me a little <laughs> my bit. My bad. No, That's um, Gideon. She no, is no our, she's our studio manager. She's actually the mastermind behind this whole project and makes sure that we do a good job down here. Usually, Absolutely. She only likes to come down when she knows that we're uh, we're doing a good job, so keep it up and you're crushing. <laughs> no, um, I, in terms of like comedy with society, Comedy has always, I, I hate this term because it sounds so hokey, but has always told the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that is based on you as a person. Like, Dave Chappelle's in a lot of hot water right now, but some people think he should be there. Some people don't. Right. It's, you know, they say comedy is subjective, but it's also, there's a lot of comics who say things like Dave Chappelle does, but they don't get in hot water you know because right. they say it smarter mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to be taking a swing at a big guy right, right now yeah. but no <laughs> this is something I hear all the time like comedy's PC how are you able to do this no it's not you're just a terrible writer yeah mm-hmm. be smarter I, I talk about I make people laugh about my mom's death consistently mm-hmm. you can make anybody laugh about anything you want you just have to be on top of your game when you're writing that material uh, it, well, the thing that's interesting, I was actually, I'm glad you got into this because I was yep. going to ask you about cancel culture. Uh, but the thing that always interests me about it, it's not like in the moment when something's a hot button issue. It's like you tell a joke now and it's well written. And then like 10 years from now, they're like, oh, my God, can you believe Dan Brady said that in yeah. this day and age? It's like the most awful, insensitive joke. Let's just totally ruin his life. Yeah, that stuff like. The when people get dragged, it depends. Some of the stuff that like, gets dragged up is pretty bad, but right. we're a different society than we were 10 years ago. We're a different society than we were 20 years ago. Lenny Bruce made a career out of saying the N-word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lenny Bruce could not do that nowadays. He also went and, to jail like a million times yeah, for I it. mean, the way he said things, it came from a right place because just kind of delivered long, wrong. But Lenny Bruce is one of the first guys who was a victim of PC culture, but he wasn't saying hard right conservative things. He is very liberal. He is very progressive, like George Carlin. Everybody mm-hmm. always wants to bring up. What would George say? George would probably be very upset that none of you are talking about abortions being taken away. Right. It, that's. Oh, what you mean we can't say anything? Lenny Bruce was thrown in jail multiple times. It's it's just one of those things where when you, you get in the trenches, so to speak, all the guys that are against PC comedy, they're horrible. Mm-hmm. They they aren't good at all. Uh, it's just like they read a dark dark meme off of Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Come on, girl. I saw one recently. She's okay. she's a wily creature. I'm sorry. I saw one recently. It was like it was a reel, um, but it was uh, Robin Williams doing an interview, and he starts talking uh, 
uh, what, what what's the word they use like like jive talk like he started talking in like like ebonics or whatever and like the whole comment section was like this is awful this is offensive yeah. da 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 and like but if you would have watched it back at that time it was just like oh he's just like you know doing one of his crazy Robin right. Williams accents and that's one thing we as a society need to keep in mind like you know words are different than ten years ago twenty years sure. ago even look at South Park they've they've drew back on a lot of what they used to say mm-hmm. and it's society changes it's always changed yeah i mean a hundred years ago is okay to hate your wife you know it's like but we need to acknowledge that like yeah he probably shouldn't have done that but it was okay back then right. you know but like the stuff now with um bill burr and Chappelle constantly going after either women or trans right. people Louis all C. that K. is all that is is just them wanting to. It's all right. Yeah. It's just them wanting to put their name out there because if you find out Chappelle's bashing trans people again on his next special, you're gonna watch it, mm-hmm. and people are gonna talk about it. Same with Bill Burr. That's why he does the incendiary monologues on SNL because people are gonna talk about it. People are gonna watch him. It's that's. They're writing comedy to be offensive to get their name out there, but there's, you know, that's kind of, I don't know. It, it's just, to me, it's not necessarily not funny, but it's not helpful. And it, it, to throw everything else in the mix, you you have a platform. You can say a lot more important things out there than what you're doing right now. Yeah. And I think that... Uh as far as like South Park and other satire type shows go, I think that's so important and relevant, especially when it's done well. You yeah. know what I mean? I was like, raised on South Park. I remember being 12 years old watching the first episode after my mom went to bed. Right. Like back in 1998. And South Park has influenced me a lot as a person, but they've, they've also changed a lot. Like I don't know if you watched recently. Mm-hmm. They're very politically charged. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. extremely. They have been for the past like five, six, seven years too. I mean, they did an episode where they went, "Oh, sorry, climate change is real. We were wrong, guys." <laughs> they brought out Gore on, <laughs> yeah, man, man bear, bear pig, pig. yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, I loved Mister Gar- Mrs. Garrison running for president too. Yeah. All that stuff, it was brilliant. Or like the PC principle, you know? yeah. And people say like, "Oh, well, they don't support trans people." When South Park goes after something, they are extremely detailed, very detailed. And, like, their Scientology episode was so detailed that the head of Scientology dealt out punishments to everybody inside because that's the only way they could have found out. Right. But, like, when they talk about trans people, it's very, very surface level. But if you look at everywhere else where trans, even, like, Mr. Garrison, Mrs. Garrison, Mr. Garrison, again, that was all very respectful mm-hmm. back in a time when trans people weren't a hot button issue. Right. So it's just one of those things where, like, they have to take swings at everybody, but you can pay attention to which ones they actually care about. Right. And I think that uh, in all of their comedy, they really stay um, highbrow for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just like stupid name calling or like derogatory things, it's like real actual situations that expose something that's uh hypocritical and they're never they never beat down people that are like uh oppressed or anything you know they're always going after the uh the oppressors i i just watched an old episode the other night where they went after like anti-tobacco program like talking about how they they give nothing out but false uh, numbers and statistics. Like secondhand smoke probably isn't harmful to you, but we don't have the statistics on right. that, so it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good, and I appreciate that level of comedy so much, and uh, just people pointing out the hypocrite, the 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 criticism or the hypocriticalness of it. Right. And I think that a lot of it is as funny as your skin can be thick for certain mm-hmm. people because. I can acknowledge certain things about myself that are hypocritical or when I see them or when I'm exposed to them or when I recognize them. But there are some people that are so dogmatically entrenched in their beliefs that they refuse to acknowledge any sort of short-sightedness in those beliefs. And uh, I think it's really important that people have like an open mind towards comedy and towards those types of things and realize that like there's a lot of fucking gray area out in the world. Nothing's 
black and white. Yeah, I wish we could live in a society where like nothing's off limits. Talk about what mm-hmm. you want, but make it funny. It's that's a hundred percent what a lot of it is. Is it's just people trying to get under people's skin to push their name. Like you don't see like Tom Segura going other than Erie. You don't <laughs> see him go after a certain group of people. Same with you know. Uh, a guy named Dan Cummins has built an empire. You probably never heard of him, but he sells out theaters across the country, and he just he built his own empire being him, not by being edgy, not by being flashy. It's all hard work. Mm-hmm. You can get to it all different ways, but, you know, it's just it's a lot. Yeah, it, it all depends on what you want to do. And I think that for a lot of comedy it come it really comes out of a place of love and compassion mm-hmm. rather than a place of hatred and it's trying to like offer a source of like education or like a different point of view which i think is you know like when i argue with somebody or when i fight with somebody or when i'm mad at somebody 9 times out of 10 it's because we view something differently and being able to help them see things from my point of view or help them see things from a different point of view and myself seeing things from a different point of view is one of the like more loving and caring acts I can do because I'm trying to educate, I'm trying to enlighten, I'm trying to help somebody. Yeah, it's actually, it's part of your subconscious and a lot of people have it, but you can't, it's hard for you to view yourself as wrong. It's something your brain does. But that's that's where a lot of conflict comes from. Mm-hmm. It's if we could sit down and have talks with people and be like, "Hey, what Tucker Carlson said isn't true. Yeah. Here's here's <laughs> the proof to prove that and stuff like that." But people can't be in the wrong. That's why you see like whenever a celebrity gets called out and you just see a bunch of people like, "Nope, that can't be," because it's hard it's hard for everybody to admit they're wrong or they picked the wrong horse or something like that oh sure something built into our subconscious yeah absolutely and uh cognitive dissonance you know what i mean the more Mm -hmm. time that you spend believing in something or the more time you spend working towards something the harder it is going to be to let that go or to change your point of view but I, i don't know i think like certain people just I mean, not not usually stand-up comics, especially successful ones, but some people just aren't funny. Yeah. You know, like, they try to make jokes, but they're just, like, not good at it. Just, like, there's people that are, like, um, like a Tucker Carlson. Just, it's, like, it's his job to agitate. Right. So, like, he is going to be good at agitating people. I mean, you try to, like, uh, make all of branches through comedy. Just some people just aren't funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. They just don't get it. There's, I mean... A lot, most comics aren't, or they're as funny as they're going to be at an open mic. It's just there are so many different parts to being a stand up comedian, and not everybody hits every part. And it's hard to, because you have to build your name through social media, and that's a lot of work. Sure. Then you, you have to realize what tempo on stage works for your jokes and then you have to realize how to tell those jokes to make it funny and then there's the networking aspect and promoting and all this and some people do some of that some people will do smaller bits of that and the really good ones do all of that like there's a there's a guy in cincinnati right now blake hammond has one of the funniest jokes i ever heard the man is a genius when he writes his jokes it's um his Twitter is big rad machine since I'm plugging him. But he put out a tweet that said the Cleveland Indians changed their names to Guardians, which is funny because nobody in Cleveland has legal custody of their children. <laughs> Just <laughs> a lot of it. I mean, there's stuff that can be taught. You'll see a bunch of comedy classes, guys who've been doing open mics for six years, giving classes and stuff like that. But there, there is an aspect that you can't teach, mm-hmm. and it's just it's one of those things to be able to, you know, uh, what voice you need to be in to tell this bit compared to that, like where the pause needs to be. It's and nothing comes together overnight. Nobody has everything together when they first start, and you'll have a lot of people that'll do open mics for three or four years and then just stop, and that's the best they're ever going to be. Right. 
And I think that I see a lot of people talk about like wanting to do comedy and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they just think they're going to go up there and improv a uh, a, a banger oh, set yeah. out of nowhere that they haven't thought about, or they're just like, I'm, I'm just going for it, man. I'm just going to go up there and do it. And uh, usually are not met with the best of results. It's Yeah, you also see a lot of guys who will write their material right before they go up, and it's... You have to keep telling the same jokes because, yes, you got a laugh on it yesterday, but there is a way to get a bigger laugh on it. And you you have to figure it out because, mm-hmm. like, I like my 10 minutes right now, I've been probably telling the main basis of the jokes for year, year and a half. And I'm still not happy with how everything is. It's it's constant work. It's yeah. And I've seen <laughs> A couple years ago, my buddy Kyle Harris, he got like 400 people at um, uh, the hotel on 10th and State right there. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Avalon. And, Avalon, yeah. 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 And uh, one one guy from Erie, he said like, oh, he was bragging to my friends from Pittsburgh. Like, oh, yeah, I have my first bit written and then my last bit. And I just, everything in between is killer bombed so hard he deleted his Facebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Had enough. I saw this guy in Fort Wayne once. It was an open mic, but I visited my friend that moved out there, and he was like, oh, this dude works. I'm sorry. Oh, Fort oh, Wayne? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the kind of experience it was. But uh, So he was just like, oh, you know, the guy's so funny. I work with him. He's always cracking jokes in the kitchen, cracking us up. We get there, and, like, I felt so bad for the dude right from the first joke, just crickets, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was like, damn, dude, I thought you said this guy was funny. I drove four and a half hours <laughs> you know, to not laugh. I, uh, I did a show in Fort Wayne about a month and a half ago, and I got to tell you, the drive there, I drove there in the sunlight, drove back in the dark. Drive did not change. <laughs> just completely straight all Flat, of Indiana. It's just terrible, yeah. man. I mean, no disrespect to Indianans, but your your state isn't beautiful. I'm sorry. Right. Now, I feel the same way because I've driven through Indi- – I drove through Indiana one time to go to Chicago from here, and it is the most bo- – like, I just hated it. It was the most boring four oh, hours Oh, you of my saved life. on the toll road and you <laughs> cut through the middle of Indiana. Yeah, that's that – adds an hour on, but, oh. man, it's a t- – it's just uh, Jesus hates abortion billboards everywhere uh, you go. The first time I ever drove to Kansas, all right, I've, I've told this joke for years. It's probably not funny, but I enjoy it. But, like, we drove from Erie to Kansas, from Indiana to Kansas. It was like, Jesus, Jesus, God saves, God hates you, Cracker Barrel. Jesus, yeah. Cracker Barrel, God hates you, Cracker Barrel. And my one buddy was just like, well, there sure are a lot of Cracker Barrel signs. And that I was just like, that's because we're in a fucking Cracker Barrel right now. <laughs> It's all white people, you know? Yeah. It's it's an unfortunate state to live. I'm sorry, Indiana people. I'm sure you love it, and it has its redeeming qualities, but I I don't like it at all. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's it's like Ohio, but flat. It's it's like Gwen Stefani. It's it's bad. Uh, Someone will love you. Blake Shelton's out there, Indiana. Don't listen to him. Blake will cheat on you. Uh, no. I think we've, I think we've hit gold with our TikTok reel here. Yeah, right. We found it. We found it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've done a couple shows around Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, and I'm going to Bloomington in June. But it's just. It's like Nebraska. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Nebraska, but it's kind of like one of those old-time movie sets where they just have a wallpaper worth of scenery and it just kind of rotates. Forever, that's, yeah. That's what it feels like, yeah. It's like, did I just pass that same turkey like two hours ago? What's going on? <laughs> You're waiting for some uh, dead baseball players to come out of the cornfields, <laughs> you know? Like. Just periodically timed just so to make trick you. Uh, so tell us about this comedy fest. Who all else coming right. to Erie? All right. Okay. We'll get into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, let's um, do it. So Flagship City Comedy Fest was kind of brainchild between me and Anthony Morelli, who uh, he runs a bunch of shows here in Erie off Constantly Comedy Productions. Um <clears throat> And we just kind of like during COVID, we're like, yeah, we want to do this. But a festival is a lot of work, and essentially a comedy festival is different from a music festival. Sure. It isn't one day. Uh, we're doing 10 shows over the course of four days from the 27th to the 30th. And it's uh, 
we just we we kind of wanted to just bring something different to Erie. Maybe hopefully grow the comedy scene a little bit because we're only there's only uh, open mic once every two weeks right now. A lot of places aren't willing to work with you know open mic or stuff like that because it is it is kind of a risk. I get it. So we're just kind of hoping we can influence the scene in terms of growth with this festival. Plus, it's always, you know what it's like living in Erie. It just seems like everything happens the same again and again. I mean, this summer we're going to have the same festivals again and again. But we just wanted to bring something different. And we just kind of started planning this about a year ago. And um, we we have everything set around three headliner shows. One uh, Friday night at 1020 Collective on 4th and Holland, I believe. That's, uh, 9th and Holland. 9th and Holland, yes. And uh, that that Friday show is Lorne Moore Genasi. He's uh, a Zimbabwean hmm. uh, comic from Zimbabwe. I don't want to mess up that term, but yeah, he's from Zimbabwe. He was a pro comic out there, got kind of discovered by Steve Harvey, and he's hmm. been living in Pittsburgh for the last eight months or so. Sweet. And he is he is an absolute killer. When I say five years from now, you're going to know his name. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not an exaggeration. He just headlined the Apollo Theater in Harlem last oh, night, wow. I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, he's just all over the place. He's hilarious. And that show is going to be um, Brittany Alexis, who who lives up here now. She's a Pittsburgh comic. She's going to be hosting that. Then we got uh, Jordan Bainey, who's an Erie native. Uh, then Ice Jackson and Candace or Marcy Smiles. They're both Florida comics. It's going to be a great show. It's I think twenty bucks for a ticket. So. It's fair, reasonable, dude. Yeah, I, very reasonable. I miss the days when it was twenty bucks to go see anything mm-hmm. yeah. anymore. Oh yeah. Um, also, the beer will be available there. I also believe it's BYOB as well. And then um, the bigger shows we have that weekend. We have two brunch shows at ten twenty collective one. On Saturday, it's not your grandma's brunch. That's a very dirty show. If you like that kind of humor, come out. And then on Sunday, we're doing a brunch show there again. And that one is going to be clean. It's uh, my friend Adam Minnick is headlining. Adam has a dry bar comedy special out. Mm -hmm. He's getting ready to record his second album. He's very funny. But if if you like clean humor, that's that's the show to go to. Sure. It's um and then our biggest show Brent Terhoon uh, who is another guy who's going to be a big name he has a huge following on social media he started the um, the satirical angry white guy yelling in a car video like Mm -hmm. that's where he started to gain a lot of momentum from and he also writes for the Bob and Tom show okay Um, so he's Saturday night that show's going to be at Sheridan Hotel uh, big on the Bayfront yeah yeah um, tickets for that range from twenty to twenty eight dollars. It depends on where the seating is, because mm-hmm. Erie Reader actually runs a ticket service, and you can. It's really cool if you're if you're planning an event because you can actually build the floor layout plan and everything like set individually where the tickets and stuff are. Oh, that's Erie sweet. Reader has also been a very big support, so shout out to them. Yeah, too. they're great. Yeah. Love wow. them. Yeah, they've they've been really good to us. Visit Erie.com uh, gave us a grant to promote. Oh, we, wow. Like $1,200 or something like that to Heck throw yeah. on Facebook ads. Awesome. iHeartRadio is running 200-something ads for us across Jeez. all four radio stations. That's great, though. For free. We didn't have to pay for that. And... Well, I'm on it. Our sponsors, our main sponsors for the festival are the Edinburgh Hotel, uh, Grandview Beer for Less, mm-hmm. uh, a Compassionate Heart Massage. Um, heart oh, I know, massage. I know Heather. Yeah, she's, she's real very. Cool. She's one of our first sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's great. She does a little bit of stand-up comedy too. Yeah. A little bit of open miking. Um, and then uh, Sunset's Grill. And Edinburgh, Edinburgh, we have a show in Edinburgh on Thursday at the Edinburgh, how many times can I say that town's name? Um, <laughs> uh, the firehouse down there. 
Uh, we have local boy Casey Cuff Dick is headlining the show. He's he's killer. He's been living in Philadelphia, but that's going to be uh, catered by Edinburgh Hotel. And then, um, man, just a lot of going on. I think Airy Brew Works is going to be providing alcohol for that as well uh, with purchase and proof of ID. Sure. So. Then uh, our final show, Kristen Becker. She's she is an absolute killer from uh, New England. She lives up, I think, uh, New Hampshire area. But she is, if you want a balls to the wall, dirty edgy comic for an hour, she is absolutely it. I've seen her uh, perform once in front of seven people, and you could have thought three hundred were in the theater with her. It was incredible. She's very high energy. So that's on Sunday, and that's at the Sheraton as well. Cool. That is a lot of comedy going on. Yeah. Over the course of the 27th through the 30th. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And it's awesome that you're, you're spreading the love around to so many different places here. And uh, that's what we love to see, man. Yeah. it's A lot of festivals will have, like, one place, and that's all you're at. But why? it? Like, if we have a comic coming from Hawaii, that'd be very bland and boring just to have them at one place for the entire time. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, are the com- are the comedians going to be performing multiple sets at different places? Yeah. So our submissions were basically, if you got selected, you bare minimum get two shows, 10 minutes apiece. Because a lot of things with festivals is they'll throw 50 people in a festival lineup so that means you'll get shows that are like 12 comics five minutes a piece like if i drove eight hours for that i'd be very upset so Mm. we we wanted something uh that would make it worth everybody's time yeah definitely and give people enough time to to really you know let their best stuff hang out you know what i mean absolutely and and use that stage uh I really like that it's bringing a new thing to Erie, too. Like, this was an awesome idea and definitely something that I think will benefit Erie at large, you know? Absolutely. And that's the hope, because we're talking about this before. It's it's sink or swim in three weeks. People are either going to show up for it or they're not. And that's kind of... Right now, we're in a period like nobody buys tickets three weeks before a show. They mm-hmm. never do. Mm-hmm. It never has. A ticket starts to sell the week of. Right. So I don't know if you've ever hosted anything like that, but it's just this inner battle of like, oh, this is going to suck. Nobody's going to show up. What's going to happen? And you're not going to know until you show up to the venue on Thursday or Friday or Saturday. It, you know, a lot of people show up at the door, too, compared to tickets. So sure. it's... Anything can happen, and it's one of those things um, everything's trending towards. We did have uh, one show reserve out. It was a free show we're doing on Thursday, but 70 seats were taken. So that's a good sign, and maybe people are waiting to buy. There's a lot of factors into it. Sure. But... I don't know how many shows I've done here in Erie where, like, nobody will buy tickets until the final two or three days. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a sold-out show. So it's just Erie kind of works a little different than anywhere else. Right. And that's what we're hoping for for you guys, too, is to help, you know, get this place sold, get all these places sold out and uh, for people to show up. And I think that there's a a definite need for comedy in Erie. And hopefully, like, this will – not only make us like be beneficial for Erie, but beneficial for the comics around us that are yeah. in Pittsburgh or in Buffalo or Cincinnati or Cleveland or wherever to be like, Hey, I want to go back there. These people showed up. They were awesome. Everybody yeah. had a great time. It was a cool city. I enjoyed the, uh, the scenery or the situation that was going on there. Let's go back there. Yeah. And it's also uh, a good thing too, cause it's, it's more people coming to the area. Like we're, we're bringing, you know, 25 people who've never been here before. So, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily giving back to the economy, but maybe in a couple of years from now, we'll be able to have more of an impact or right. at least with what our shows pull in and stuff like that. Cause next year we, we are going to, if we make enough money with this, we're going to take an incredible risk and try to uh, do the Erie Playhouse for a show, which is Ooh, wow. huge, 400 yeah. seats. Yeah. So that's 
if if we do well now, we're going to even this year we reached a lot, but you can't figure out where you can fail if you don't try anything at all, you know. Exactly. So it's you know um, what they say in that movie, fired it up. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. Yeah, got to yeah. risk it for the biscuit. Go yeah. big or go home. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think you're underplaying the impact of those 25 people that are coming in too because they directly might not be spending a ton of money, but they're getting a bunch of people out and supporting right. the different local businesses and all of that stuff, and that is amazing for the city, amazing for the local community and the business and the bar scene and all these places that are hosting these – the Sheridan has been incredibly enthusiastic about this. They 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 have been very accommodating and stuff. So that was that was a surprise. A lot of local businesses supporting us. So it's it's been it's been kind of it's very stressful. I'm not going to say it's fun. It has not <laughs> been fun. Uh, it won't be fun until uh, the last show ends, April 30th. You know, yeah. where, where we can, me and Anthony can look back, clink a beer together, and say like, "Hey, we got people you guys out here." Did it because there's comedians are notorious for canceling at last minute. Mm-hmm. Like every show, there's at least one guy at the last minute. So we. We are kind Fingers of holding, crossed, uh, yeah. We are holding our collective breath because we've already had uh, some other people drop, and it's just it, anything can happen in the last minute. We haven't heard from some of the comics that we've accepted in a couple of months. It's just one of those things where we just really have to wait and see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure it's going to be success, and hopefully everybody shows up. And if not, I hope there's never enough oh, other talent to we, like fill in. You know, what we I mean? have enough. Like if we have enough time, we we have enough uh, names. Even when um, we got 240 submissions, we selected 25 out of that, but we kept a running roster of about 20 comics that we'd be willing to switch out mm-hmm. in terms of like comedy and stuff. So we we have backups. It's just one of those things you don't ever want to do. Yeah, it's stressful. It's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And uh, what? Tell me what like a comedy submission looks like for your. Uh... So, I can actually. Uh, I I still have them all on my phone, but basically what we asked for was name, location, and then to get like a, a little bio. Like that's a, that's another part of comedy is you have to be able to present yourself in a small paragraph. Sure. Because you'll get some. Never mind. There is terrible service down there. Oh yeah. But sorry, anyway, my house is built of concrete. Uh, so <laughs> we just with ours we asked like. Um, Biography, uh, credits, how long you've been performing, where are you based out of, and email. And then they mm-hmm. submit a, a five-minute tape. Okay, and cool. So that's – we had to watch 240 tapes, which that might sound fun, but mm, – No, it doesn't. <laughs> that's a lot of – I, w- I would say 80% of them were good. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. Good. Yeah. So it's – it's just uh, it was one of those things because like I I came here me and Anthony watched 240 tapes in like three days, and then I went directly into the hospital and it's like oh. I'm not gonna die now. I just spent my yeah, entire right. weekend watching garbage. Yeah. So do you think that watching 240 tapes triggered that medical event? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was ongoing. I just thought I didn't feel good. You know, <laughs> right? It's like I'm gonna keep pushing through this. We're yeah. good. We gotta watch these tapes. I gotta sit through all these tapes but you can like as a comic i learned a lot i know anthony did too just watching like wow just some people we got a instagram reel clip a 30 second clip and literally the woman who paid 25 dollars to submit is literally her bringing one comic upstage while taking one off stage like give it up for blah 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 now put your hands together that's it. Mm-hmm. That is all we got. Wow. <laughs> we That's were a... more interested in the comics she's bringing up because it was like a skinny, muscular black dude with a leather jacket that had fur on it and a cowboy hat. It's nice. like, what's that guy's name? Like, yeah. I want him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold move to enter into a submission just like five, 30 seconds of... We also had a guy from Idaho. He, uh... <laughs> He wore his firefighter uniform. Okay. The, the helmet, the jacket, expended oxygen tank, the whole thing. 
And then, like, halfway through his set, he just pulls a hose out of his pants and for the final two minutes just says things like, ladies, you need a big hose, right? Like, <laughs> that's not, that's very... People pay money thinking that's good enough. You know? that, that's more like uh, performance art than comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like some Andy Kaufman vibes. Like. Just, <laughs> and a lot of people have egos and stuff and you just see their submissions and it's like, who... That is the worst thing we can do to our friends is celebrate mediocrity. Yeah, I know I, that sounds bad, but no, like I, I, I see a lot of comics that like somebody I know it's hard, I know nobody wants to do it, but like someone should just take some of these people aside and be like, Hey, do better. Yeah. <laughs> this this isn't it. Did you hear any laughs during that? Right. That's like my favorite bit of advice to people too a lot of times when I'm do being better. sarcastic. Like, oh, just play better, dude. Just be better at poker. If you are taller. (laughs) If you are in a a performance art where you can actively get feedback and you aren't getting that feedback, that's feedback. Yeah. (laughs) That is not the kind you want. I mean, I think I would think like everyone has their 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 group their go-to their think tank whatever and it's like oh i'm gonna uh you know send a submission in for this comedy festival what should you do what should i do send them that video of you introducing a comic that shit was fucking hysterical (laughs) (laughs) and there's what happens a lot at open mics you'll get comics come on stage and like oh yeah mark was saying something about this and then they'll recall that bit and add something to it that's cool at an open mic but we get that and submission tapes like uh like a, a minute would uh elapse in the time like it took from the comic to get to stage and start telling jokes and it's we don't have time for that like if you're gonna bring that to our festival we don't want that we we want your material we don't want five minutes of crowd work if you can do that cool but i want to see you can do something else because a lot of times crowd work comics are really good at that they're really good mm-hmm. but their their jokes are okay yeah big jake Olkerson, one of my favorite comedians his jokes he has written are kind of mid-level not the greatest not the worst but they're funny his crowd work is phenomenal mm-hmm. i uh i know a guy who worked with him for six crowd work shows jay never repeated the same thing yeah. So it was all organic, all off his head, all hilarious. But like, I respect that. I love that. But usually, the the other part of that comedian isn't very good because they spend more time working on crowd work. Because you're not instantly good at that either. That mm-hmm. takes a lot too. Sure. And that's why you'll you'll have comics that either lean on crowd work and that's their shtick, or you have comics who just tell their jokes. Like, Ian Bag is one of the best crowd work comics right now working in the country. But his regular material isn't the greatest, you know? So it's comics really go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And for this one, you really wanted the people that right. had the, the solid We want to make sure they're going to be funny up front, you yeah. know? I feel like that it's probably easy to miss a lot on organic improv yeah. crowd work. Unless you're very good at it. Unless you're super good. But yeah. even I'm sure even if you're super good, you probably still have stuff that doesn't hit every like right. ten out of ten every time. Um and it's good to have that other thing mm-hmm. you know, the regular jokes to fall back on or to mm-hmm. like carry you. And maybe if a little bit of crowd work opportunity comes up during that joke, you know, that's when you you know, hit yeah. them with it. A lot of comics, um, will do crowd work that leads into their actual bit and that's great i mean but it's like i i don't do crowd work because there's a there's a lot that can go wrong because mm-hmm. people are dicks yeah it, it, it's yeah. some people like who a has a dog show. oh well i put mine down two months ago like why would you say yeah, that yeah you okay. just this whole <laughs> thing up <laughs> <laughs> well you just killed the show deader than your dog sir yeah. sorry <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. one of the things, if you're doing crowd work, the question you're asking someone has to be yes or no. Mm-hmm. That's why it's always like, what do you work? How old are you? Blah, blah, blah. It's because they can't stray from that. Because mm-hmm. when people stray from that, it's when things get off course. Yeah, because you have like a direction and a joke that you're trying to lead into. Right. And if you're taken off that course, then the, the joke is fucked. And right now, I mean... Th- 
right now what's big on TikTok and Instagram is heckler videos or uh, comedians working with the crowd and you start to you're starting to see people expecting that at shows and mm-hmm. that's that's not I mean you'll I there's one uh, I can't remember her name but she just her name just kind of exploded because uh, she got a beer thrown at her on stage because she was yeah, yeah. interacting with a, a Trumper and they threw a beer at her and she wow. chugged it. Yeah. But like those are the kind of videos that are going around right now. So they're <clears throat> not necessarily every show, but like more and more people are speaking up during sets and stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not recording for Instagram. Please right. stop. Yeah, this isn't your show yeah. here. These people came here to see me up on stage, not you guy who's yeah drank too many margaritas tonight. Oh, yeah. And that's like uh, I was at Go Bananas last week, and they had a – I guess they were out of state – um, they work on slides for kids, mm-hmm. like pool slides and stuff. Okay. I And they were getting drunk at the club, and they were making a bunch of noise, and they got thrown out. And, the, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm not leaving until you call the cops. And it's, oh come on. God. It's just, yeah, you know, people... It, go to shows and get drunk. I mean, they had like three buckets of beer killed at their table. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the comedy clubs like there, but like um, comedy clubs that I've been to around the country, the drinks are fucking, they're expensive. Like well, I'm yeah. not getting drunk at a comedy club. A comedy club is not for comedy. A comedy club is to sell food and booze. Mm-hmm. That's it. Comedy is what gets you in the door. But the main purpose of a comedy club is to sell food and drink. Right. Hundred percent. That's that's why they charge them because they know you're going to go there and drink them. Like it's, mm-hmm. and also I think that like really that's just when you have like a heckler or somebody that's like trying to upstage the comic or anything like that. It's really not only disrespectful to the comic, but it's disrespectful oh, yeah. to the entire room. You know what I mean? People didn't come here to listen to some fucking asshole. Right. Uh, be wasted at the bar they came to be entertained and they're trusting the comic or the play establishment to provide that entertainment to them and, and it kills the crowd mm-hmm. like, yeah. it, it just nobody likes seeing fighting nobody likes seeing anger it makes everyone feel awkward I think the, the best one I ever saw even though he's not a traditional comic I saw Steve-O once yeah. and he was talking about being sober and some guy in the crowd just like made some kind of crack at it and Steve-O was just like fuck you my life is amazing, this and that. I've turned everything around, and the crowd just cheered so hard, and yeah. you didn't hear a word from that guy like, again. Um, Anthony, my buddy Anthony, used to run an open mic at the, the Voodoo at 8th and State, yep. which, great place for beer, but the, the ceilings are too loud, the acoustics are terrible, so we tried doing the mic outside on the 8th and State. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go very well because there was a guy who was very obviously on uh, narcotics. And he kept, like, especially during my set, he was, like, crawling on the ground just trying to get people to look at him and stuff. And then he kept trying to interact with me. Then I was like, I was like, who who had bad parents? And the guy's like, my mom and dad beat me every day. I was like, I know, it's obvious. <laughs> right, yeah, dude. I wasn't... See, and, like, I said that, and, like, oh, yeah, from one standpoint, oh, that's why you're messed up. You're, I understand. But, like, I meant it from, like, oh, that's why you're trying to get validation. You're right. I said, yeah, I got you. But it went the wrong way. I used to have video of it. He threatened to get his brother and his brother's gang to come down oh and beat God. me up. Yeah. And it's just, like, everybody was just sitting there the, like this. And I was, like. Man, this is so awkward right now. I just wish he would have hit me. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. the only way that it could have put the cherry on that fucking yeah. shit. Oh, kid. yeah. Oh, I would have gone viral. Hit me. Do it. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, because it's, crowd work too engaging a heckler is like one of those. If you know somebody's drunk, I always... It always kind of makes me feel weird when a comic starts interacting because, like, man, you've been around long enough to know what's going to happen mm-hmm. because, you know, drunk people, they, it's very unpredictable. very unpredictable, especially comics are always quick to make fun of the people in the crowd and stuff, and sometimes that doesn't go well, especially when they're intoxicated. And also, if you keep talking to them, that gives them the, like, 
I can talk now. Yeah. You know, it's, he's acknowledging me. Right. And I, you know, and it usually causes, almost always causes more problems down the road when one comic engages the drunk heckler. So then the drunk heckler will just keep doing it the entire time. Yeah. It fucks everything up. Don't be an asshole, folks. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's not then, that hard. And then, like, I've had open mics where one person will talk to the drunk person, and then, like, everybody just keeps engaging. And it's to the point where I saw a comic in Cincinnati get completely shredded. Uh, he's like, hey, how are you? To the woman heckling. She goes, I can tell by how you look. You sleep alone. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fuck. Wow. Why did... <laughs> no. <laughs> It's just like, get off stage now. You're done, man. Get <laughs> you got to be really sharp to be able to come back to that and, like, on your feet, you know? Yeah. Well, she was British, and she tried engaging oh, with me. Yeah. And I was like, look, I am almost 100% black, uh, Irish. I know every lyric to Black and Tan. Don't don't mess with me right now. Yeah. If you don't know, Black and Tan is a very pro-IRA song. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, <laughs> This is random, but one of my most viral videos on TikTok was a meme about the queen dying. Hmm. And, like, if nothing ever goes anywhere, that that's cool. But I had, like, 30 people post uh, a pro-IRA message on the video. So I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm almost 100% Irish. Let's do this. <laughs> here we go. Nice. It's up the raw. It, it's how uh, IRA members used to introduce themselves without giving away what they're... Oh, okay. But I saw, like, five of those comments. I was like, I could die tomorrow. We're good. (laughs) Sometimes that's all it takes. And uh, being able to enjoy the little things is so nice. Like like a soccer stadium full of Irishmen screaming, Lizzie's in a box. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, it's been super fun hanging out with you today. Uh, Thank you so much for coming out and hanging out with us. And uh, we hope to see you at one of the comedy shows this coming week all over the place check out dan um on facebook on tiktok Uh, tiktok uh i'm keystone funny on tiktok everything else is db comedy 814 and flagship comedy festivals fcc f814 or flagship city comedy fest absolutely check them out get Find an event that you can make it to. Show up. Enjoy yourself. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at everybody else. It's a good fucking time, people. Hell yeah. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and checking us out. Be sure to hit all those like and subscribes if you really love us. Absolutely. Feel free to become a patron on Patreon. And uh, if you also want to promote anything, hit us up. Dude, we're happy to run any sort. We have the fucking hottest copy of any Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's amazing. You have to see it. You guys probably already have seen it, and uh, we would be so pumped to make more of that fire fucking copy and advertisements for you. Yeah. We love you guys. Peace out. Peace.